you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Amen. Colossians chapter 1. If you would like to turn with me, Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to just read a couple of verses verses 16 and 17 from Colossians 1. I won't spend a lot of time in the text this morning, but I just want to remind you of the word of the Lord today in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Let let me just take a second here. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. That means every invisible element, every atom, every molecule, every invisible thing that may exist upon the earth, both the the visible he created, but he also created the invisible. The things you cannot see, God is still in charge of because God still created both what you see and what you cannot see whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him some way out of everything that God created there is a for involved and he is before all things. I want you to get this mental image here in this text. He's before all things, meaning before before anything was ever created, before anything ever happened, before you ever dealt with any situation in your life, God already was. He was already ahead of the problem. He was already ahead of the sickness. He was already ahead of the trouble. God was already there. He was before all things and by Him. All things consist. I don't even have to do a lot of preaching because this is a great passage this morning. But can I tell you that whatever consists, 
God has the ability and the power to say that's it. Just with one little, one little word, he could start the heart or he can stop the heart. But just one little word, God can change and turn things around because God is in charge of everything. God is in charge of everything. Give him a hand clap of praise this morning as you're seated. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us, God, that you're in charge of everything. Strengthen our hearts, mind, and lift our faith this morning. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You can be seated today. The scripture is full of images that declares that God is in control, that God is in charge, that God rules. As the songs they sang this morning, my God reigns. My God is in control. My God reigns. The scripture is full of these kind of images and sights. God reigns. God rules over everything. God is in charge of everything. In Psalm 103 verse 19, David declares indeed, God reigns over everything. And if, if God does, and he does, then I, I want to pose a question this morning of why then has God dwindled in the minds of so many modern day Christians? Why then has God, who reigns over everything, God who existed before there was anything, God who created all things, by him all things were made, and they were made by him and for him. This God who is in charge, this God who reigns over everything, why then, if God is so powerful and so in charge, why then has he dwindled in the minds of so many people? If God truly is in charge, then why have we seen the degree in which that so many in modern society has become emboldened in their evil. I can hardly stand to scroll through the news media websites and read. I, I can hardly stomach to scroll through social media and see posts made by any of the, the medias that we used to call, we used to say, to quantify them by uh, conservative media and liberal media, but now it's just very simple. It's all lying media. <laughs> it, it's all kind of fake news. Um, but when I look, what I see is so disturbing. When I understand that God is in charge, then why have we seen men and women become so emboldened in their evil, so in your face. I am reminded this morning of marches made in Washington, and don't get nervous, this is not a political sermon this morning, but why is it that we see the media promoting marches in Washington for abortion, late-term abortion, and some of the horrific visuals that they use to promote such atrocities against humanity and against God. I'm asked this question often, if God is in charge, then why? 
then why does God allow these things to happen? It seems that every form of media is present with the foolishness of men. Defying God and defying the ways of God. It stands as an absolute testimony of the fact that God has been diminished in the minds of humanity. Men once who saw God supreme now no longer recognize Him as being the supreme authority. His word that was once held in high regard today, even churches, denominations, entire denominations are now reaching a point of saying we will decide and vote on what portions of this word we're going to stand upon. It doesn't really matter any longer what the Word of God says. It matters more what my opinion of the Word of God is. That is the feel of society today. What an atrocity. What what has man done with God? We have diminished God. We have promoted athletes and paid them millions and multi-millions of dollars to become heroes while men of righteousness have become degraded and diminished in the minds of people. It is all an agenda to diminish God and to cause God to look small. They fail to see God ruling over everything. But rather in their mind, if God exists at all, they see Him more pygmy than they do giant. They see him more weakly than they do powerful. The image that society has today of God has him as a weakling. They they think he is too deaf to hear the plea of strong men. He is only the God of the weak. They see him only a God that is able to see in part. They see him too blind, they think to see their plight. They, somehow mankind has misconstrued to think that God only sees as man sees, that God only sees the outward action but fail to recognize that God knows the heart. The things you and I cannot see, God is still able to see. They think He's too deaf to hear their plea. He's too blind they think to see their plight. His arm is too short, they think, to reach to where they are. His heart would be too small to ever love everyone, but he loves some, if any at all, in the minds of society today. The emboldened lifestyle of millions, particularly those that are in high places, stands as a silent witness to their view of God. But I don't want to necessarily preach of their view of God, but I want to talk about our view of God. Is God in charge in your mind? Is God in charge in your life? Our out-of-orbit world governments systematically seek to belittle and diminish God. They they scoff at the very 
idea of God. They blasphemed His name. Hollywood and the media seemingly have waged war on everything that represents God and any form of righteousness. They celebrate the unholy and they magnify sinfulness. Yet in the church, as the Bible declared, that there would be a day when men would look at good and would call it evil and would look at evil and call it good. The church isn't far. I'm not speaking of this church, I pray this morning, but I'm speaking of the church world, very liberally speaking this morning, but the church world as a whole. I, I, I pray this morning that what I'm preaching and the heart of what I'm preaching this morning comes across with its sincerity as I call the church this morning to recognize where God is in our own minds. Even some churches have separated themselves from the closeness of a personal God. Eventually, viewing God from such a far distance will contribute to a continual diminishing of the concepts of God altogether. If the world stands long enough and unless God intervenes, the Christian church in America as a whole will diminish God until He hardly exists. They will meet and gather for social events, but the Spirit of God, a real faith to believe that God is still in charge, that God can still truly save, and that it really matters what you believe, will diminish from society altogether. It must not be. There must be a remnant of people that arise in these last days and declare that God is and will remain supreme in our lives. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's not optional. This church must never see God optional. We must never take the moving of the Spirit optional. I appreciate these great ladies that came and led us in worship and these incredibly talented musicians that were on this platform this morning. But I want to remind you that before they walked to this platform, I heard them in the upper room in prayer this morning saying, God, we need your anointing. God, we need your presence. Thank you, worship leaders. Thank you, singers and musicians. Thank you, Sunday school teachers, for praying over your lessons. God must always be be the reason. I'm glad you have nice cars and nice clothes, but I don't come to see what you're wearing. I don't come to see what the coffee shop is making available on Sunday morning. I enjoyed the, the, the wonderful, what was it called? Double chocolate banana cupcake. That thing must be sinful. I enjoyed it in my three-quarters of a glass of cold white milk. 
I enjoyed it completely. But that's not why I came here this morning. I came here this morning because as I began to worship God, walking right back and forth on this front row, I began to feel the presence of God. I began to sense Him in the room. I sense Him here today. I want to know that what I'm troubled with today, God's in charge of. What I'm weary with today, God's in charge of. The sickness that's in your body, God's still in charge. Oh, let's give him praise this morning. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There appears to be a conspiracy of darkness and evil in this, in this world in which we live. They put distance between man and his maker. Eventually, if we're not careful, viewing God from such far distances will contribute to a diminished concept of God. Instead of consulting God first, He becomes the last resort. Instead of our lives being centered around the Word of God and the presence of God and God being truly in control, we find a little time to move God and squeeze Him into our schedule. We give Him what's left, not what's first. If we have time before we fall asleep, we'll read a Bible verse. If there's a little extra time, a few times a week, we may say a prayer. We come to church when it's convenient. Instead of consulting God when things happen in our life, we put Him on the back burner and seek Him last instead of praying first. After we've tried everything else, then we say, let's pray. What can it hurt? I was in a hospital room some time ago, and I walked in. And I knew I was walking into the room of an unbeliever. And I asked them, do you mind if I pray for you? And their response was, I guess, what can it hurt? My heart sank as I knew my prayer would be amiss because their concept of God was so far away that they were more worried about what damage my prayer would do rather than knowing that I have a connection with a God that would be able to raise them up off of that sick bed. The church has moved to a point that rather than praying first, we pray last. I was in my office on Delphi Avenue a couple of years ago, and I was talking to a couple that was going through a very difficult time and didn't know what to do, and my wife was in the room. And it's just as they began to leave, I said, well, I don't guess we have any other choice. All we can do at this point is pray. And my wife so sweetly and gently looked across the room at me, looked at that couple, and she said, prayer must not be our last resort. She said, prayer is not all we have left. Prayer is the only thing that we have. It ought to be the first thing we have. It is the best thing that we have. We ought to consult God first. The world seems more ready to turn to Him in trouble. But often in times of triumph, they forget all about God. And this spirit is prevalent in the church. 
when things are going good, nobody comes by to say, Pastor, I just want you to know that my family's doing so well. My finances are so well. Our health is so good. God is blessing so greatly. I just want you to know I want to be more faithful than I've ever been. Instead, it's usually, Pastor, my life's falling apart. I feel like maybe God wants me to be more faithful. Why is it that we can trust Him in times of trouble, but not in times of triumph? Instead of reaching out to God when things are going well, instead of making room for Him in our celebration, we make room for Him when the world collapses. At 9-11, as the towers fell in New York, it seemed that all of America was praying and everybody got a certain sense of religion. But what happens today? A few years passes and they march in the street, snubbing their nose at God, promoting abortion, promoting same-sex marriage, promoting things that God, God abhors. Where is our God now? The economy's going well. People seem to be wealthier than they've ever been. Medical science is at an all-time high. Things are going good, and we diminish God. It must never be in the church. If we forget God, it will only, I'm not talking about years of it diminishing, but if this church ever makes God the minority reason of why we show up, the minority reason of why we're here, if we ever make God that, it will be a matter of not months, not, it'll be the matter of days until the presence of God will no longer be prevalent in our services. That's why prayer must always be a priority. Righteousness must always be a priority. We must always enter and offer unto Him a sacrifice of praise. God has become so small in so many's eyes because they're viewing God from such a long distance, from such a far distance away. God's dwindled in our thoughts because we move farther and farther away from Him. He seems small when we view Him from so far away. But I don't want to leave you in despair this morning. I want to preach some hope into this place this morning. I want to tell you that my Bible tells us that when we draw nigh to Him, mm, that He will. <laughs> he will draw nigh unto us. What I'm telling you this morning is you can say, man, you're, you're right, Pastor. I've wandered a long ways away from God. But I want to tell you this morning there's hope because when you take a step toward Him, this is the way I see it this morning. Every time you take a step toward Him, He runs two or three steps toward you. When you draw near to Him, He'll draw near to you. The closer you, the more you seek God, the more He's going to run to where you are. Don't think God's running from you, but God is running to you. 
The Bible gives us a beautiful story of someone we know as the prodigal who left the father's house. But when he decided to go back home, at some point as he's making his way down the dusty trail, getting back toward home with the smell and stench of the pig pen and the sinful life he's leaving, the father's standing outside and is looking down the road for him and runs to where he is and embraces him. I want you to know this morning, child of God, it doesn't matter if you've wandered off or if you've walked away. I want you to know this morning if you'll take a step toward Him, our Heavenly Father will come running toward you. Don't leave Him diminished in a distance, but get up close and personal with Him. Sit down at the table and feast with Him. Sup with Him. Seek Him while you can and you will find Him. Ah, he's here this morning. He is here this morning. There is no, I feel his presence here today. Oh, I feel his presence this morning. If you're here today and it's been a while since you felt that close touch of God, I dare you today just to say, I'm coming home. I'm coming to him today. And as you reach toward him with your prayer, as you reach toward him with your worship, God will run to where you are this morning. He'll run to you today. God's not trying to be estranged from you. He's not trying to be a distance from you. But he's close to you. Sadly, our world and society has put out its sacred fires of godliness. On May the 24th, 1844, Professor, Professor Samuel Morris sent out the first message that he had perfected over the, tele over the telegraph. And it was an experimental line that he sent to Washington, D.C. And in that first telegraph to hit Washington, D.C., it was simply four words. What hath God wrought? From 1844, we see the diminishment of God. He felt his invention was too advanced for him, and there was a deity involved. Look what God has done. But in 1969, when Neil Armstrong first stepped onto the moon, his first words were one small step for man and one giant step for mankind. Do you see how God quickly becomes diminished. In October of 2018, his book was released. Stephen Hawking celebrated as having the highest or at least one of the highest IQs ever recorded in human history, declares in the title of his book, There Is No God. It's a clear view of our society. It's a clear view of where the world has gone. Mistakenly, man has managed to muscle God completely out of the equation of life. They think that God rules over darkness, but man rules over the festival of life. God has become some power in ancient history that the scholars declare perhaps existed at one time and was important for a day but far too antiquated for modern humanity. 
as a society, we've moved so far away from God. Then when we wonder why that so many lives are full of despair, with no peace, no joy, no victory, no purpose, no reason for living, no enthusiasm, why is it? Because we have removed the God factor. We think it just we take God out of the equation. Do you really recognize that every day that so many things could happen to you except God says, I will step in and not allow it to happen? It's because we see God's soul from such a far distance because we have, he has become diminished in our minds as we have walked away from him. David declares in Psalm 73, They that are far from thee shall perish, but it is good for me, David declares, to draw nigh unto my God. Thomas was comfortable with his criticism of his fellow disciples. He said that they were simply dreaming or that they were imagining. He said, there's no way that I would ever believe that you were he unless I thrust my hand into his side. In other words, the further you are away from God, the harder it is even for those who would walk close to him to believe that it's him in charge. But when you get close enough to him to thrust your hand into his side and to put your hand into his nail prints, Thomas the doubter declared, My Lord and my God. Oh, how our perspective changes when our distance from Him changes. When people go away from God, when people backslide and leave the church, when people leave the truth and walk away from God, they begin finding fault. The first things that they begin to doubt is they begin to doubt the authority of God. They begin to fuss about things that are connected to life. They wrestle and fuss with things such as finances and tithing. And they deal with the authority that God has set in the church. They immediately begin to find fault. It amazes me how that people who become emboldened in their sin want to later come back and ignore and self-justify the sin that they're living in and become preachers of this new so-called gospel that because the devil made me do it or because of the way I was raised, I ended up being the way that I am or it is just my base personality or I was married to somebody that mistreated me and so I'm justified in my sin. I come this morning to tell you such lies have separated man from God. It must never be celebrated in the house of God. I will never affirm someone who walks away from God and goes into a lifestyle of sin and then wants me to affirm them and tell them it's alright because of what you went through. I come this morning to declare that if we'll get our mind off of the world and our mind off of the troubles in life and get our mind on God and draw nigh unto Him, He will strengthen us and undergird us and lift us up and our perspective in life, in God, in the church,
church will change because we're close to Him. People don't backslide from the prayer room. People don't backslide from a house of prayer. People don't backslide from a life of true worship and dedication to God. They begin drifting in their prayer, drifting in their true consecration, drifting in their faithfulness. Their faithfulness only becomes an image of what they do for man to see them. But truly their heart is far from them. The Bible says it like this, they draw near unto me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I preach to the church this morning. Don't just come on a Sunday morning, but let your heart draw nigh unto Him. And this morning as our praise and worship begins to go up, I want you to know God is running from heaven, running to this place this morning and saying, those are my people. They still remember me. I haven't diminished in their mind. I'm with them. They are my people and I I will be their God. The highest thing that Job in his day could imagine was the stars. And so Job said, I beheld the moon and the stars. Does not God reign above all of them? Isaiah said, whom will you liken unto God? Or what can you compare unto him? He reigns over everything. And there is no God like Him. A few years ago, a scientist at NASA, they were astonished at man's ability to develop technologies that could take pictures of stars. Mankind is rejoicing because we now have the technological advancement to be able to take good, clear pictures of stars and see in more detail, and men are rejoicing. May I remind you this morning that God made the stars. Can I tell you that he made them with the power of his word. And when Job begins to talk about the stars, he says all we've heard of him so far is just a whisper. Genesis tells us when it talks about the creation of stars, it's going into the development of humanity and man and how the earth was formed. And the way it talks about the stars, it just says, and he made the stars also. That's it. Man celebrating being able to take a picture of what was just kind of a byproduct. The Lord said, oh, and while I'm at it, stars be in their place. Boom, the stars are in their place. What I'm trying to preach to you this morning is that the things you're struggling with, God has in control. He has in charge. He's in charge of everything. I, I don't know what everybody in the room's experiencing and going through today. I know many of you, I am closer to some than others in that I have been around you more. I've been at the hospital with you. I've, I've sat with you. I've prayed over you and prayed with you. I've counseled in offices. So I know what some are going through this morning. I don't want to come across in some simplistic way that I know what nobody in the church is going through. I do know. I preach from knowledge in some lives. But there's some of you I have no clue what you're going through. But I got a feeling this morning that I'm preaching to more than just what I know about today. Because there's some that walked in this room this morning with your suit and tie and smile and, and hello and praise God. But in your heart you're dealing with some things that you don't want anybody to know about. I want you to know this morning God's in charge of that too. 
Just because I don't know doesn't mean he doesn't know. God knows exactly what you're going through. I don't know what you're experiencing, but God knows what you're experiencing. I don't know what you're feeling, but God knows what you're feeling. And here's what Hebrews said is about him. And he is touched with the feeling. It moves God. What you're feeling moves God. Oh, I'm an emotional wreck. You're moving God with your emotions because he knows what you're going through. He is touched. The writer of Hebrews said, For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You may be going through it this morning, but not God's not going through it. He's already been through it. God's ahead of you. He's already been through it and come out the other side. That's why I know that whatever you're going through this morning, God's in charge of it because he's already paid the price for it. Somebody said, Pastor, if you really knew what I'm going through, it doesn't really matter what you're going through. God's already been through it. He preached when he came up, broke out of the grave, resurrected on the third day. He went through, preached into hell, came out carrying the keys of death, hell, and the grave. You know why? Because he wanted you and I to know I'm in charge of life. I'm in charge of death. I'm in charge of the grave. I'm in charge of pain. I'm in charge of sickness. I reign. I rule. I'm in charge of everything. And God's not worried about what you're worried about today. As a matter of fact, we worry. Some psychologists wrote an article and said man worries. 90% of the things we worry about never come to pass and never happen. Why then do we worry so much? One songwriter wrote many years ago, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I want to challenge you this morning. Take it to God in prayer. Get up close and personal with Him. Tell Him all about your troubles. He will hear your faintest cry and He will answer. I come this morning to tell you God is in charge. You're feeling the load. You're feeling the burden. But God is is still in charge. The Apostle Paul declares that God is in charge. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. It sounds like the God that said he made everything and it was made for him and by him. The writer's just going on. He said, and he had put all things under his feet. All things, <laughs> principalities, powers, all, he's put it under his feet. Do you get that this morning? That means what you're struggling with, God is standing on top of. You know what the first thing a mountain climber does when he gets up to the top of the mountain? He doesn't get up to the top of the mountain and get right there on the edge and stop and say, there it is right up there, I'm just going to reach up. And He does not consider that mountain conquered until he gets up and plants his feet right on the apex of the mountain and declares, I conquered the mountain. That, that text that I just read out of Ephesians declares that Jesus has put everything under his feet. Your depression under his feet. Your pain under his feet. Your sorrow, he's got it all because he's conquered it all. He's in charge of it all. That's why you can live in victory. He has conquered it. He has defeated it. He is over. He is in charge of everything. Stand with me this morning. Everything that God has made. 
everything that God has made, He is in charge of. He made you, He gave you breath, and He's in charge. No matter what you came in experiencing today, God is in charge of it. No matter how much pressure and stress that you feel you're under today, nobody says, man, I'm over all that stress. We all say, man, I'm under the stress. But I want you to get an image this morning that God's on top of the stress. He's in charge of it. He's already paid the victory for it. And everything that he's done, he's done for our good. God's not against you. He's working it for your good. God's in charge. You're stressed, he's not. You're weary, he's not. I'm not telling you this morning you won't ever fight battles. We all fight battles. We all deal with discouragement. We all, that's part of life. I don't stand before you superhuman this morning. I am blessed and honored to serve as your pastor, but I deal with stress. I deal with disappointment. I deal with discouragement. I battle all the same things. As a matter of fact, Jesus did. The scripture says it like this. He was tempted in all points like as we are. That means what you're feeling, he's already felt. Loss, disappointment, discouragement, depression, sickness, pain, disease. Let me close by telling you this morning that there's nobody that's quite like Jesus. You and I may be in charge of a few things, but God is in charge of everything. The prophet Ezra said, There is none like unto thee, O God. Neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. There's nobody, nobody quite like Jesus. David said, there's none like unto thee. O Lord, neither are there any works like unto your works. The prophet Isaiah said, there's none like him. We could go on and on and on in the text this morning. If I could just persuade somebody in this room today that God is in charge of your life, God is in charge of your situation, all of your questions, God's got answers for them. I may not have answers for them, but God has answers. There's some things that's never going to be answered until we get in front of Him. And when we get there, there's a few things that I've got to ask Him because I've had to deal with some questions that I can't seem to find. He, he hasn't given me clear answers on a few things I'd like to ask. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Him about them. And, and, I, and He's going to give me good answers. And, and some of those answers are going to be, well, if you would have understood it there, you would have been too high and lofty and lifted up. Whatever the answer may be. But I want you to know today that the things that you question, he's got an answer for. We may not know it in this life, but when we meet him and stand before him and ask him, he's going to answer. I want you to understand, if I could persuade you today that God is in charge of every point of your life, here's what could happen this morning. He could turn your darkness into light. He could turn your sadness into joy. He could turn your mourning to dancing. He could turn your tragedy to triumph. He could turn your life around so quickly if I could just persuade you that God's in charge. 
God is in charge of everything. Your, your situation's no different. It's not too big because He made everything. The things that are visible and invisible. He made them and He made them for Himself. They were made by Him and made for Him. He's got it all in control. We're going to do altar call a little different this morning. I'll call you forward in a moment, but right now where you are, I don't want anybody looking around. Nobody's moving. Just right where you are, would you just close your eyes where you are and lift your hands. And I just ask you, would you just start declaring right now. I want you to begin to speak to that mountain that is in your life right now and just begin to declare God's in charge. I want you to persuade yourself. I want you to pray that with faith this morning. Tell yourself. I want you to speak it out loud. Don't just pray it silently in your head. I want you to speak it so you can hear yourself declaring God is in charge of everything. Just say it over and over again. God is in charge. God is in charge of everything. The things I'm struggling with, God is in charge of. The questions I have, God is in charge of. Go ahead. That's it. There's going to be some victory in your mind this morning, in your heart. God is in charge of all of those things that I've been wrestling with and struggling. God, you're in charge. You're in charge. Go ahead. Talk to the Lord right now. Let him know. God, help me to see it. Help me to believe it. Give me the faith. Give me the courage this morning, God. Your problem's not too hard for the Lord. It's not too big for Him. Would you just call on Him right now? Would you tell Him that addiction's not too hard for you, God? I can break it through you. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can and I will by the power of the Holy Ghost. The enemy no longer has control over my life. Go ahead and speak it right now. Go ahead and speak it right now. The enemy no longer has control over my life. Depression no longer is going to control my life. I'll no longer be bound by that addiction. Come on, declare it in the name of Jesus. I speak it right now in the name of the Lord. That, that curse that is in their life is going to be broken this morning by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is hope for me today. I'm not worthless, but God has paid a great price for me. He shed his blood. Jesus died for me, shed his blood for me that I may live. He came that I may have life and more abundantly. I'm not destined to hell, but I'm destined to heaven. I'm turning my life around. Go ahead. Let the enemy hear you pray this morning. Now I'm going to open these altars for those that feel to step out from where you are. And if you'd like to just come to the front, continue praying as you come forward today and just declare, in the name of Jesus, I walk above my issues. In the name of the Lord, he's on top of it so that I can be over it. He lives that I can live. God doesn't want you to live depressed. He doesn't want you to live downtrodden. But He wants you to walk in faith. He wants you to walk in victory. Beautiful, beautiful. You're not alone this morning. Oh. this song minister to you this morning. Let this song minister. Come on, speak it out right now. Speak it out right now in the atmosphere.
That's it. You're not alone this morning. He's my comfort. He's my comfort. Come on, if a brother or sister's next to you, why don't you just grab them by the hand right now and declare, I'm not alone. He didn't build you to fight the battle by yourself. God is with you. He's my comfort. He's my comfort. Pray one for another. That's good. That's good. Pray one for another. 